1: Hey, good morning. This is Elise Bowie with Elise Bowie Family Law. And I'm here with Billy Tarasio for the Maximum Mom podcast on this holiday Monday. Thank you, Billy, for joining me on MLK
0: Day. I really appreciate it. I love chatting with you. I will take any opportunity, even if it's live. (laughs) We'll have to make
1: sure we zone out anything we would not want to put on our live show. (laughs) Okay. Yes. We'll keep that in mind. (laughs) I see Delilah. Look at her. She's getting up. That's so cute. She's going to be perfect.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that you have your helper with you today. She's a very sweet girl. She, she's very, very affectionate. And um, used to take care of all my employees. Now they don't come to the office, but she used to take care of them. That is awesome. Well, I always like to find out from people when we start
1: this, I mean, let's first talk about your mom's side. Who do you have at home? I know you've got a
0: pile of kids at home. I do, I do. So okay. my favorite is my stepdaughter, who's now my former stepdaughter technically, but she'll always still be my right. stepdaughter. She is 20 and in college and she works for the firm and she's at um, college at GCU, which is here in Phoenix. And hmm. she is she is the best, probably because she has none of my genetic um, <laughs> contributions which make for pain in the ass kids because <laughs> then comes my four and that's sebastian who's 16 and isaiah who's 13 alexander who's eight and julia who is five wow you do
1: have your hands yeah. full. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. i love that those teenage boys though boy do they give you a run for your money i like
0: them better now I do, do you i do i like them better now i i have so much fun with them i find like my oldest you know has adhd and adhd little boys are real hard oh yeah real real hard and you know teenagers have been really good to him He's like the coolest that's so awesome yes that's, so there's, there's light. really awesome there's light
1: yeah i didn't see my light until they got into their 20s i have to say my teenage boys gave me Real runs for my money. I mean, you know, that calls from the hospital kind of things. And mom, I'm here and there's blue people all around. I was like, hand the phone to the nurse. I'm like, who in the world. I mean, just, yeah, they definitely gave me a run for my money.
0: So far, you know, fingers crossed that that hasn't happened. They're so far, they're better teenagers than I was. So we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> I guess it all depends on our perspective, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, tell us about your firm. Who is in your firm? I mean, how big is your firm now? I know you've been growing as well.
0: Yeah. So um, let's see. I'm a family law firm in the Phoenix area. We have eight lawyers now. It's a team of 20 ish, you know, then there's some contractors. So it's um, it's 11 years old and has been just a kind of a labor of love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love and hate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it is so similar to raising children and growing a family like and that's why I love this podcast, because the things that make me a better mom make me a better boss and the things that make me a better boss make me a better mom. Absolutely.
1: And for me, it's the flip side too. the parts that are kind of I struggle with as a mom. I also struggle with as a boss. And, you know, same in reverse. I mean, I find sometimes that I'm like, oh, gosh, I sound like I sounded when I had, you know, four teenagers at home.
0: Really? And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we are who we are, but we're better when we use what we know from both. Like I know right. a lot of law firm owners who will, you know, who will run a tight ship at home and then let their employees walk all over them. Right. And it's not that different. Like, you you know, it's really not. It's you, really not. I right? mean, you know, I try to create a structure that allows each individual to thrive both at home and in my office. Right. Well, and I think that
1: is the key to all of this. I mean, as far as being successful is trying to help your team, your office team thrive in the office, but also help them thrive outside of their time in the office. Totally. I mean, I feel like that whole maximizing your employees and really helping them hit their stride is such an important part of this, but I also find it's exceedingly emotionally demanding.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, so we know that we live in a time when loyalty is, is kind of gone in general. And that is from employers to employees and from employees to companies, like people need to do what's, what's best for them. And that's where the focus is. And so like the worst thing for my law firm is turnover, right? The worst, it hurts clients. It hurts, it hurts everything. It's very expensive. And so, you know, if I really want to keep employees, I have to invest in their happiness. And that's about more than just their happiness in my office, but their happiness with their decision in life to, to function as they're functioning. Completely.
1: Well, how are some of those things that you are
0: investing in their happiness? What does that look like? It depends on the person. So for one um, for two people, I, I pay for them to go to therapy because mm-hmm. I had maxed out my, it's essentially just like my kids, you know, I had maxed <laughs> out my ability to, to help them through what they were going through. It was beyond my ability to help and they were continually struggling with the same things and just... And they needed more support and I couldn't give it to them. So I, you know, bought a therapist and I happened to see a therapist who's fantastic and has been so helpful to me. And I'm like, well, you need, you need this wonderful person that's making my life better. So that's, you know, that's, that's one of the ways. And it really does depend on the individual. Absolutely. I completely agree. But I I mean, I hear
1: you as saying coming up with ideas that are kind of out the box. I mean, this is not a standard thing that a lot of law firm owners do. And I mean, I think I have seen, I too have done therapy. I've bought life coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yoga, Uh art classes for kids at home. I mean, weird things, you know, but I find that that actually speaks to each employee differently. And I mean, one employee just might be thrilled to get that hour and a half a week where somebody is playing with their kids on Zoom and they can just go do something for themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I think it is just like being a parent where, you know, a one size fits all does not work. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, I do think though, that a lot of parents who maybe
1: just have one child or even two don't always see that 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 one size fits-all doesn't work. and I think those of us, I like you, have four four biological children and two step. and I mean, it all of them have looked different. I mean, people ask me though, like you literally had six children in six different schools. I'm like, yeah like there I, we did not find a place that fit them all. I right. mean so it was always I mean we had one year where literally it was parent teacher conferences from elementary school up through college and I mean it was six different schools and I was like, mm-hmm. what do you do? <laughs> what do you do <laughs> exactly?" I'm like, "You got to find the school that fits your kid." Yeah. And same with employees. Mhm. Absolutely where do you find when you're looking for employees cuz i would think i mean i know for me that's a big thing finding quality people when you as you know a law firm what does it look like in your office when you all are looking to hire who is doing that are you involved in that is somebody else in charge of that or what does that
0: look like well so a year ago we my law firm was on a cruise celebrating our 10 year anniversary And we were working, but we were also playing. And one of our biggest problems that was identified through our meetings and through our retreat was who I was hiring and how they were being trained.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: we, you know, mostly they, they do a fabulous job of pointing out what our issues are and then helping to solve them. And we wrote a, a plan for how will we hire? You know, and and it, it's it's a structured plan. And for the last year, we've hired a lot of people in the last year, and it's been just tremendously helpful to, you know, start with writing the job descriptions, start with determining what is this person responsible for doing, and then write a 90-day onboarding plan with check-ins at 30, 60, 90 days to say, if you don't know this by 90 days, not only have we failed you, but you're you're not, you know, you're not, it's not going to work here. So, you know, you and I were talking earlier about how it's difficult to fire. It becomes a lot less difficult to fire when you're having a very honest conversation from day one about the expectations and you're very clearly communicating at different checkpoints. Are you meeting them or not? And if you're short, what do you need in order to get up to speed?
1: Well, and you just mentioned something in there that I think you and I share. We've never talked about it, but is that whole idea of radical candor, having those extremely candid but caring yes. conversations. I mean and I forget the term. It's like challenge directly and care personally, I think. You know, but those those two things combined, I think, are to me, they are the
0: golden ticket to everything. Me too. Me too. Management was so hard until yes. I found <laughs> this concept. Because- yes. And I think you have to find a concept that works for you. Like it wouldn't work for everybody, but this is how I want to be, you know. So so you have to find something that like really resonates with who you are.
1: Yes. And I mean, for me, when I read Radical Candor, I was on an airplane and I remember I had my headphones on, like, and all of a sudden I was like, Yes, this is excellent. And my husband's like, shh. So, Kelis, what are you reading and I was like oh my gosh this is literally my new life in yeah. all in a book it was so handy yeah but just the ability to just say what I mean and mean what I say all the time in every interaction all across the board and to have it all in a book I was like oh my gosh I love this Great. right right I was on an airplane too. (laughs) (laughs) I just totally took to that. Well, and I just saw the other day, she is writing a new book or, you know, it's been written. I think it's coming out at the end of this month. She actually went and spoke with Cleo at their big firm wide, you know, 500 people conference. And I cannot wait to read her new book because I mean, she just really resonates. Well, and I find that radical candor idea really does help with your management of- Mm -hmm. I mean, both your people at the office as well as your children,
0: uh, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was speaking with, um, I was interviewing a therapist yesterday for my podcast and we were talking about how to help kids with stress and how to deal with defiant teenagers when you only have them half the time. And one of the things she said is first connect, then correct. Correct. Yep. And I was like, "Yes, you know, and that that is that is what I try to do with my children. It was certainly what I try to do with my employees. And it is another version of radical candor. It care is. deeply, yeah, and then speak the truth, yep, exactly. But I mean, it
1: is the key. I think if if we could impart this to law firm owners, could you imagine if law firm owners just across the board could have that care personally? before they challenge directly, but then know they're always going to challenge directly how different working in a law firm could be. I mean, universally.
0: Yeah. And the thing that I think the thing that is so great is how much your employees appreciate it and want that. All uh, they want is real feedback and more of absolutely. Well, and it's been interesting because, and I know we
1: mentioned earlier, we've been starting to do this EOS system mm-hmm. and, you know, really embarking on that. And I had spent, so my firm is younger than yours. So we're at year five, well, starting year six in a couple of weeks. So I had always thought, they didn't want to deal with all the the problems, the this and that. So, you know, I would just deal with all the things thinking I was like protecting them and keeping them, you know, like out of drama or out of whatever. Mm-hmm. And it turns out once this whole leadership team has been developed and I've been having these leadership meetings, they're all like at least just. Just tell us what it is you need. What are the problems? Like, lay them on us. We will help you fix them. And I'm just like, what? I mean, it has been so stunning to me how much they want to get involved, understand, spot
0: those issues, and be able to help fix them. I yeah. had no idea. Right. Me neither. I mean, and we started that process, I think, in 2013. And I mean, I've had some people join my firm recently who have been at a lot of different law firms and a lot of different companies and their feedback is, you know, your company is so well run as a company. And we do have like it it is it's a pretty well run company. But the reason is because each quarter my team tackles a different issue and they solve it and they fix it like they built this company. Right. I just, you know, kind of facilitate.
1: (laughs) When you're not
0: experimenting, because I know you love to experiment. Oh, I do. I do. And so do they, they experiment too, because they know that that's, you know, that's another one of our philosophies is the, you know, the idea that we need to challenge our assumptions and, and always improve. And the only way to do that is to experiment.
1: Well, and tell us about some of your experiments. I mean, do you have a, an
0: experiment you've just done recently? Yes. I mean, uh, I knew you would. <laughs> yes. So I just did a free consultation experiment and I had not done free consultations since 2012. So I stopped doing free consultations in 2012, but only recently have we gotten to the size where I've hired a lawyer to do all the consultations and it's not me. Right. And one of the things that I wanted to test was, is having a lawyer on standby all the time who can talk to people real time immediately, you know, don't remove the, remove the 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 consultation piece the scheduling thing like how do we get them to a lawyer and get them hired quickly um and we tried it for 6 weeks and it was an abysmal failure
1: really now what do you attribute that to do you do you know based on
0: the data you were running um it's very interesting so at the same time that this was going on my my father lost his father and needed to figure out some estate stuff that needed hmm. to happen immediately and so he was going through the process of talking to lawyers. And he was really, he was telling me and my two brothers about each experience. Right. And it's so interesting, like free consultations are a different experience. They're a different experience for the lawyer and they're a different experience for the client. Definitely. And I saw that through my father's perspective. And then I saw that, you know, as the law firm owner, watching the numbers, listening to the consults, watching the consults, watching how the prospective clients interacted with the lawyer. Like, Mm -hmm. so I can say now, you know, this experiment was a little different than when we did free consultations in 2012, but I can say definitively, like for our firm, we will not go back. We will always do paid consults.
1: And do you, how do you handle a paid consult? Is it your regular rate or do you
0: discount a rate for a consult? We charge $250 for a consult, which is not, you know, across the board. And that's not everybody's hourly rate, but that's what we charge for a consult. And do you
1: find those then do work better than the free consults? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And how do you track those? Because I, I know you also, as loving experiment, you love metrics and data. Yeah, yeah I you it. can't experiment <laughs> without data. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think your understanding of the data and your ability to explain it to people is one thing that helps people be able to relate to you and understand how you've done things. I mean, you do such a good job, I think, of explaining that. And I mean, I see it all the time in the Maximum Lawyer Guild where I was actually reading a post from like August, 2020, just this morning. And you were talking about billable hours and how you handled productivity and in your Slack channel and all these people were commenting. And I was like, look at this. I mean, cause people were literally like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. And so I want to know about your consult data. Like, what does that look like? What are you tracking from a consult perspective?
0: We're tracking the number of leads, the number of consultations, the number of cancellations, Or no shows, and then the number of conversions, like how many people who meet with a lawyer for consultation hire.
1: And do you do
0: consults across the board? Like, does every attorney do them or? Okay. No. And I think, you know, it's a different skill set. Yeah. It's a different skill (laughs) set. And it's very different from lawyering. And I think that you need to train the lawyers and then you need to test the lawyers. And only the lawyers who have that particular skill set should be doing consultations, in my humble opinion.
1: Right. No, I completely agree. Are you still doing consults yourself or are you done?
0: I do. You... I do them only if the potential client insists, like they've just been referred to me. They're totally in love with me. They really want to have a consultation with me, then I will. But most of the time, no. So I I might be doing five a month. Right.
1: And so you have some attorneys that are just good at consults so they can do those. Right.
0: And then, yeah, that makes if a lot of sense. an attorney who does not have a caseload. So- there's no, like, the other thing that is hard to do is it's hard to switch from lawyering and thinking about the opposing counsel and, you know, totally. and lawyering, analyzing and arguing to being in a consultation where you should not be either analyzing or arguing. <laughs> right. So, well, now, how do you handle that? I mean, because that's, I think, one of the issues
1: people have is the data around that employee. Like, so if that's a lawyer, they're doing only consults. Mm-hmm how do you handle that? Do you look at the number of consults and
0: like monetize their seat based on that? Okay. So this is a great question. Your question is what are the metrics to determine whether or not the consultation lawyer is successful? So I've recently, you know, I, I have talked a lot about how I've got, I've got group goals and group bonuses and and productivity, which you had mentioned. So, you know, there's a, a productivity number. And if we hit it in that quarter, everybody bonuses, but that's the operations team. And so now that I'm moving on figuring out, okay, I need a whole marketing company, a whole marketing division that yep. is run and operates with the same sort of structure that my operations side had. So yep. that's what I'm working on now. And so how to determine if if the intake and marketing and consult team is successful, number of clients in a given month, conversion rates, number of reviews. Right. So that's what we're working on with them. Yeah that that's
1: exactly what we do. Oh, cool. But it's it's that whole mindset of making that intake sales and marketing have its own KPIs, its own everything and really operating like its own fine-tuned little operation totally. under the firm and I mean that's yeah we've been kind of drilling down on that and it's fascinating. I mean I have found the whole process of gathering all that data and analyzing the data. And one thing that I found so interesting is analyzing the data of everyone's different conversion rates because we used to do it probably a big mistake. We would have the associates do consults, those same people who would do the work. Well, sure. I mean, one month I just happened to look into this randomly, you know, and I was like, wow, those are some low conversion rates. And I was like, aha, they probably don't want to give themselves extra work. And so mm-hmm. then I literally just stopped it. I mean, like cold turkey, I was like, I'm doing all the consults for three yes. months to yes. do a test. And I was like, all right, this is not a issue of the leads and this I is mean. an issue of who wants the work versus yes not the work. So we're in the process of looking for a consulting attorney as well, because I have found that it is, it's really hard to find an attorney who really enjoys, they might have some of those skills, but it might just be really difficult for them to put on those consult and sales skills, I find.
0: Yeah. And I've got a training online that's specific. Oh, I've loved your training. It's specific like it, it tells sure, people yeah. this is how you do a consult and then I watch them and if they stray if their numbers go down then I watch their consult and they they've they just need to be reminded because it's not rocket science but but you have to be disciplined you do Well, because I find that, I mean, I've been through sales trainings
1: and I mean, you know, I feel like all these years I've done consults, I'm, you know, you feel like, you know what you're doing, but then I go to this sales training and they were teaching me different things. And immediately within like a week, I'm messing up again. And I was like, okay, I'll go back, you know, (laughs) try again. But yeah, I think there's a lot
0: of habits,
1: you know, that just absolutely have to get rid of.
0: Yeah. And, and. You know, because most of us are doing consultations on Zoom, it can be recorded. Even watching yourself back and noticing, oh, I interrupted or, oh, I so obviously wasn't paying attention there. Like, you know, (laughs) this happens.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I have wanted to, and I haven't done it yet. I probably should. I have a few team members where we're having a meeting and all of a sudden I'll see them. I know they like have an Apple watch and you can tell they're literally just like on their Apple watch. And I, I haven't said anything, but this is one of those things that radical candor. I need to just say like, this is probably not okay when you're talking to somebody <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, it's very obvious And and the other thing I've noticed, which is kind of funny, you'll notice team members who are probably texting each other because they'll start cracking up almost like in middle school. And every so often, I want to say, "Okay, girls, don't you just want to show us what's so funny?" You know, but they'd
0: be horrified. (laughs) But I I would totally call that out. (laughs) Much nicer than I am.
1: yeah well sometimes I mean sometimes I have an idea of what you know is happening and then other times I don't but um no I should think about that it would be pretty hilarious to call them at. I would feel like a middle school math teacher though you know
0: yeah yeah <laughs> no you should have all the fun <laughs> <Yeah.
1: Really? laughs> well tell us um I mean you mentioned hiring a bunch of people this year so COVID kind of created a hiring thing for you
0: And it caused some turnover. Like it was so stressful that it definitely caused some people to say, you know, I can't do this anymore. I can't practice family law anymore, or I really want to be able to do this on my own. So I had two attorneys leave one who left because he was just completely burned out and having a mental health, you know, crisis. And then the other who decided to start her own firm and she took one of my paralegals. I've never had that happen before. I have to tell you it, it was it was a it was a new it was a new experience, a new level of like getting dumped. <laughs> right. Well,
1: yeah, that's tough. I don't think I've had that. I mean, I have had an attorney leave before, but I don't think I've had one take a paralegal. That is tough. <laughs> it was
0: <laughs> It's okay. You know, like oh yeah. somehow always the right people always leave. And that's, Completely. you don't know it in the moment, or maybe you do, maybe you do. And it's still just annoying, but like the right people leave. Completely. I mean, I think if you're
1: doing your job properly, leading, managing, and holding people accountable, the right people will always leave yep. because they're not aligning with your core values. They're not doing what they need to be doing. And you're not letting them hide, you know, you're there caring personally and challenging directly all day
0: long. Yeah. Right. And And, yeah. And for people who don't want to, who can't succeed or aren't succeeding, like the best outcome is them leaving. Absolutely. And it's going to be better for them and Mm -hmm. it's going to be better for
1: you because you're not going to be having all this time and emotional drain. And it's so much better for your whole team because you're getting out that kind of toxic or cancerous
0: Mm -hmm. problem, which often really spreads. Yeah. And that goes back to why hiring the right people might be the most important thing you can do as a law firm owner. I agree. I really agree. I mean, to the point in my
1: mind that it sometimes means a lot of different things. It might mean you're hiring somebody at a moment that you might not necessarily have thought I was hiring at this exact moment. Or you might be paying somebody something that you're like, okay, that's a bit of a stretch, but this person is golden to me and figuring that out. And so I find being flexible
0: in hiring well is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I I took advantage of all of the possible financial incentives and perks that the government offered this last Mm -hmm. year. And that it put me in a position where I had more cash than I'd ever had. Right. And then you have to ask yourself, well, what am I investing in? Like, what are my greatest resources? Exactly. And, and in my opinion, it goes to just exactly what you were saying, like being able to hire the right people to pay the right people, what they need Completely. Um, is
1: the game. Oh, I think so, too. I really think so. Well, it's interesting. I have started working with a CFO, Brooke Lively. I don't know if you know her. She has the most, well, one, she has this interesting book. I think her company's called Cathedral Capital. But she has this very interesting book that she has a resource in it. And when we're talking about people, I mean, I, I find this resource, it's silly, the terms she uses but it is so true. She has people on a quadrant, like you can rank your people. Sure. And so like on the, the you know, the, this axis is um, the bottom one. So this is your core values. So either they don't have your core values or they have your core values. So at the bottom left quadrant, they're a rat. So they do not have your core values. And the other quadrant is skills. So they have low skills, low core values. So this is a rat. On the bottom right is a terrorist. So they have low core values, but they're great with skills and billing. So they're that person that a lot of times you hang on to, you know, because they're, they're producing. But I mean, they are a terrorist in your yeah. office. And it's so true. And then in the top, when you get to the people who have your core values, the top left is a puppy. So there's somebody that has all your core values, but they need training. So Mm -hmm. every firm needs like one or two puppies, apparently not a lot because, you know, then you're really burdened with training, but I mean, you always need to be building up your puppies. So then they become the top right quadrant, which is stars, you know, Mm -hmm. so those all have all your core values and they have the skill set And so it has been a fascinating exercise to go and rank every single person on the team using this model. And interestingly, Brooke and her team, I mean, they have a pretty firm line. Like if you've got a rat or a terrorist, they're out. I mean, period, end of story. Like there is no, you know, negotiating around that. And so it's, it's been really interesting to spend some time thinking about that. And I think just like you talk about, people do weed themselves out if we're doing our job of leading, managing and holding people accountable.
0: As a Guild
1: member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com.
0: Man, you just reminded me that I have not been doing the exercise that I am supposed to be doing every quarter. It's... (laughs) It's from traction and, uh, it's called the people analyzer. Oh yeah. You it's seen the that same, one? It's the same kind of thing, whether they get it, want it and have
1: capacity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the, the people analyzer takes your people, you put them, you put their name down, you write yeah. down your core values, and then you rank them on the core values. Do they have this value? You know, plus, Do they not have this value minus, or is it a plus and minus? And on each of the values, you know, you look at them and, and it's a, it's a great exercise, a great exercise for leadership to figure out like who, who is a terrorist? Who's a rat? Exactly.
1: And That's who are your stars? Mm-hmm. I mean, who might not be, because I find sometimes your stars can be these very quiet, unassuming people right. that, right. but if you can see their value as holding your core values very, I mean, sacredly then you can really, that's who we should be maximizing. You know, when we're spending all this energy, maximizing people on our team. It, and, and I know for me, a lot of times I find my energy with the rats or the terrorists, absolutely. you know what I mean? Yes. And, and really
0: the stars. Absolutely. Which, how silly is that? Yeah, yeah, but it's hard. And this is where, this is where like being a mom and being a boss are different. And, you know, it's you you can't you, you you can't fire your children. So you have to dig in and develop those people and knowing where you're helping someone, you know, through a tough time, which I think you should do, even if you're even if your employees have a period of a quarter or six months or, you know, I had a I have a star who really struggled with a pregnancy and birth. It was like a year. It was like a good year that was really not she was not the star that she usually is, but like, you don't want to give up on people. No, indeed. So figuring that out, I think is, is a challenge. I
1: think it's a big challenge. And I think it's one worth our time, you know, Mm -hmm. to really sit down and do that because the more and more I'm coming to understand about the people part of this and, truly trying to understand it, you know, as good as my little brain can do, it just feels like that part is so important. Being able to identify those puppies and those stars and making sure that you are maximizing them. And I do think of it like a mom. I mean, like I thought of all my children as puppies, you know, like they just needed a little training and they were going to be okay, but it was all different training. You know, some people needed like, I mean, I had one that ended up in the Marines. He needed a drill sergeant kind of trainer. Like that was what was going to speak to him. But then I have others that are more sensitive and, you know, they need like a nicer training protocol and being able to figure that out. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe a drill sergeant is what we need at our office. I hadn't thought of that. Maybe I have some puppies
0: who could use some more rigid training. Well, and here's the hard part. Like, how can we as parents, like you couldn't be that drill sergeant that your child needed? No, no, I couldn't. You know, does that mean we have different managers in our office for
1: different people? Maybe. I mean, maybe it does. I mean, for real, like with my child who did end up in the Marines, that child, I mean, we actually hit a roadblock in high school where, I mean, he way into football, you know, had all these great qualities. School was a struggle. He was my ADHD kid, but he was passively rebellious. Like he would be super nice to me and be like, oh yeah, I didn't do any of that. You know, do you need me to unload the dishwasher? (laughs) I'd be like, but, um,
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, we really like hit a wall because I was really worried about him. I was like, you know, you're really cutting off choices that you don't necessarily mean to be cutting off. I don't think I'm like, I've explained that, but I don't know that you're hearing me. And so we, I mean, he actually, it's a long story, but he ended up in a boarding school. And I mean, I very much like delegated. I was like, you're going to go to this boarding school. It's all boys. Like they were just, they did great with boys with ADHD. Like that was one of their specialties. And I was like, this place is going to be much more rigid and they're going to be hard about things, but then they're also going to let you be more of you that you need to be And best decision ever. I mean, like I was kind of, yeah, I was a little bit at the end of what I could do because one of the things I struggle with both as a boss and as a mom is not allowing people to have their own agency. I'm like, I want you to be making the right choices. I don't want me to be making your choices and me to be deciding for you. And so with my son, I was like, you know, I can tell you everything that I think I can help show you what you're doing. But if you're not willing to do it, that's your choice. But we are literally going to be locking heads constantly. And I thought we would mess up our relationship because of that. And I was like, our relationship is so much more important to me than the grades you make right now. Yeah. And but I was also like, I don't want me to step back and not challenge you and then you not to meet your own things you want, because maybe you need a tougher hand. And so it was really it was a very interesting dynamic. But it I think I mean, and he and I both say that it was probably the best decision that I ever made for him was because he wanted to grow up. He wanted to be more independent. I was like, go forth and be independent. So tell me more. Like, when did he
0: go? What year?
1: It was in between, well, he went in the middle of junior year. I mean, he was in a massive car accident right before the beginning of his junior year. And that was kind of the turning point of him really just not, you know, doing all the things that he, I mean, he wasn't going to be able to play football. I mean, it was, it was tough. It was a really tough that first semester of junior year. And so, and I knew like if we didn't do something quick, he was going to have a real different experience and then meant to be having.
0: Mm So the last year and a half was at a boarding school, which is almost like going to college earlier. It was. Yeah. But, it was very but much. A college where they were, they're going to give you more structure. Exactly.
1: There was more eyes on him. I mean, I knew he'd be safe. You know what I mean? There was more eyes on him, but it was the super football sports oriented school, which is what drove him. And for him to get back onto the football field after this accident was a, a reach I mean, I was like, there's no way you'll ever play football again. And he was like, watch me. Oh. And I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, so we did that. And he did play football, played his senior year, then went to college and played and then quit to join the Marines after, because he was like, okay, now that I've gone to college and I've played a year of football in college, now I'm quitting on my own terms and I'm mm-hmm. going to do what I want to go do. Mm-hmm. I was like more power to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people part of what we do is the most important and the hardest. And I think that's so true in
1: home and in the office. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the amount of hours, like I know Doug has spent so much time watching me, like with this child, Eric, when we, we went to a conference for the ABA one time in Canada, it was one of those, you know. CLEs or whatever. I literally spent morning and night, like on the phone with educational consultants, you know, dealing with a psychologist, like, cause I felt so bad. I'm like, am I going to traumatize him by sending him to a boarding school a few months after this accident? Like, what will this all look like? I mean, it was heart wrenching, you know, but the amount of time and energy put into it, you know, but in the long run, I think it was the right decision, but I mean, it was not at all what came naturally. And I find that as a boss, you know, there's times that I'm doing things and I'm like, this is not what comes naturally. Like I don't fire people naturally. Well,
0: <laughs> right. So did Eric buy in or did you have, oh, to, you had oh, to make, you know, he, he totally bought in. Oh, he did? D- yeah. Doug
1: actually went and took him out there. It was in Connecticut. So, I mean, it was far from Seattle. <laughs> Doug took him out there. They looked at the school together. And I mean, he wanted Doug to go. I was like, that was hard, but I was like, I'm fine with that. You know, if that's going to work. And so he went and he came back and he didn't make a decision right away, but literally within about four days, he just texted me and said, I need to go. I'm making bad choices in Seattle. I should start as soon as possible. Okay. And I was like, I will get the bill paid and you will be gone, you know, in like a week. And that's pretty
0: much what happened. Well, I mean, that sounds like true and perfect leadership. Bumpy and hard too. you know what I mean?
1: (laughs) But I think that's, I mean, I think that's one thing all of us can take away from this whole mom, lawyer, entrepreneur. I mean, it is bumpy and hard, Mm -hmm.
0: you know? Yeah yeah it is and i think um you know growth is not linear no. and and it is painful so is. right before the biggest like growth spurts and i think i don't know about you but like, like a lot of us are hitting i think 2021 is going to be harder than 2020 i do too I 2020 do. was hard but 2021 is harder like you know people are are fatigued and depressed and isolated. And, you know, you have that initial like rise to the occasion. We're going to get this done. Oh my gosh, we're doing it. And now it's just like exhaustion and depression.
1: Well, I completely agree with you. And you and I are the first people that I've spoken to about this, but Mm -hmm. I absolutely believe it's going to be worse. And I think that, I mean, I know at least I'm seeing real mental health, like cracks, in some people around me. You know what I mean? Where I feel like they're really struggling, whereas they were kind of able to maybe put on a good face in 2020, but they're not now. And it's something I'm actually, I mean, I've been having conversations with my leadership team about how do we stay nimble enough to address these cracks that I'm seeing, you know, in, because
0: I think that's going to be critical. So any ideas, like, what are you going to do in 2021 to combat the the mental isolation and the emotional withdrawal and you know that sort of thing
1: Well, for us, it's probably twofold. I mean, one, just some basic, more um, social things. Like we love our social things we do, whether it's our holiday party or we do these Zoom meetings and I'll send out cupcakes to everybody or whatever, you know, just silly things. But we're going to do more of that. We actually have a party planning committee now. And so we are scheduling regular things, whether it's cooking classes, wine, Mm -hmm tastings, you know, Zoom. I mean not Zoom, yoga. We're hiring a yoga teacher to do yoga at lunch with all of us. I mean just random different things. I think that'll be helpful. We really use Slack a lot for that kind of like friendly, you know, just getting just being close. You know, we have a few channels that are just super, they're just hilarious actually. And um and so really encouraging that I think is really good. And then staying nimble enough fiscally where when somebody is struggling with their hours, instead of me like going in and being like, you know, rah, rah, you need to do your hours. I'm like, do you maybe not need to do your hours? Should we be changing your pay structure? Like, don't you not want me coming to talk to you? (laughs) You know, like, and if this number of hours is the right number of hours for you right now, let's go to that. Let's change your pay. Let's change the whole thing around and not be so set in our ways around what has been right in the past.
0: Yeah. I, I love that. I love that. I just flexibility and, and supportiveness yep. and curiosity. And then, and I think, you know, I think law firm owners should plan to have a larger cash reserves than we did in the past, because like, nighttime. we just don't know what this is going to look like. Exactly. I think, I mean,
1: but I think in general, that is very important that we, to me, having a bigger cash reserve is all about being nimble and Mm -hmm. being flexible. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because again, it ties back to the mom thing. I think being a mom requires this level of flexibility because you have an idea in your head of what you think your kids should be, should do, can do, you know, and they don't always do what we expect. And it is important that we are nimble and flexible enough to be able to meet them where they are, not where we think they should be all the time.
0: Yeah. And it also, you know, your story about your son and writing a boarding school check for him to go to Connecticut, like we can't underestimate the the benefits of having a financially well-run law firm that allow you to do what you need to do for whatever your child needs and whatever your employee and your company needs. Completely. Oh, I mean, that's the ultimate in freedom. That's it. That's the game. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. But I see so many law firms that simply aren't charging enough or aren't billing regularly enough or they don't have any accountability for their associates and you're missing out on the ability to truly support their the kids. Yeah, and- Oh, it makes all the difference. I mean, yeah. I
1: mean, I I've joked that, I mean, I started my law firm solely to put these kids all through school. And I mean, I didn't realize that, I mean, you know, most of them went to private high school then to college. I mean, it's been a whole, but I mean, that's to me is the ultimate in being able to write those checks where they go wherever they want to go and then they go do whatever life they want. Do you know what I mean? It's all about empowering them to make choices, Mm -hmm. which to me, it's the same with our team members. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love supporting my team members and their endeavors. You know, like if somebody wants to go, I have an admin person who's going to paralegal school or, you know, and I pay for that. And I'm like, I want them to go do bigger and better things. And if that even means leave and go
0: somewhere else. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Like go, you know, be your best self. Right. I think I read one comment that you wrote where you really want every person who's ever worked at your firm to be an ambassador for you. Totally. And I don't know that that's always possible. I, when I read that, I was like, oh, I think I'm failing. Like Elise, how do you do that?
1: Well, I don't know that it's always possible, but it can be my goal.
0: <laughs> you and know what
1: I mean? A good goal. I mean, and I think that I know uh, for me, and I'm sure you have too have past employers, who literally, I mean, really made a difference in your life and helped you get where you are today and will help you get where you are five years from now. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a really, I don't know, that's one of those life things, I think, that really matters, you know, to make a difference in people's lives who you come in contact with on a regular basis, not just about how much money do I make, how much money do they make, you know, but how can I actually human to human help them get to their next level where they can be their next best self? Yeah. I think that's real important.
0: And so, yeah, I don't know if all my employees think that, but I think you're, you're, you're a thousand percent correct. Like it's an honor to be able to have this role that we have Absolutely, you know, in our clients' lives in our employees lives. It's, it's really an honor. Like people are putting their lives in our hands, both in our firm, you know, in so many ways. And how are we making it better?
1: Exactly. Yeah. I say that when I, you know, I work with a lot of people in high conflict matters as a guardian ad litem or a parenting evaluator. And when I first meet with people, I always tell them, I'm like, it is such a privilege that I am here meeting with you. And I'm like, I know it is just difficult. You're stressed. You're terrified to meet me. You like think I'm going to, you know, be all this horrible stuff, but I really want them to understand. I mean, it is such a privilege to me to be able to help people. I mean, when they're at their very worst and, you know, to be able to hear their story and really try to understand their struggle and be able to communicate that to the court in a way where the court can see what is their potential in the future, What are the skills they have that they're going to be able to, to go with and that they are going to be good parents moving forward? Not just what has happened in the past that might be bad, but what is their potential? And I think that's for me. I mean, I love that about being a mom and an entrepreneur because I feel like, I would wake up every day and try to think, what are my kids' potential? You know, what is what is their potential today? Not what had happened yesterday or the day before or a week ago. I used to say, we have to kick the bucket every night and start over, you know, because it's so easy to hold on to things.
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: Yeah, I definitely had to kick buckets for some kids more than others, but as you well know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I had to get a bigger bucket for a few. <laughs>
0: You know, they're not supposed to be easy. They're, I mean, we're growing humans. Exactly. Exactly. It's complicated. It's supposed to be messy. I don't know. Those parents that make everything look perfect. I just, I don't know. I've got some skepticism for them. <laughs> yeah, well, it just, it can't be
1: perfect. I mean, I joke all the time that I'm just a hot mess all the time, every day. Not? <laughs> but I mean, I am. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there were so many mistakes along the way, things I would have to go back and apologize. I mean, I've had to go back even just very recently with my daughter and, I, and just saying, like, I'm sorry, I didn't even realize I was doing that when you were young, you know, mm-hmm. and really having to like, I don't know, make amends and just apologize for errors. I mean, I feel like there was a lot of errors. I was reading something the other day and I just wanted to like reach into Facebook and like tell this woman, she was talking about how she yelled at her children during bedtime routine and that, you know, she was really frazzled. She said she'd been billing like 50 hour plus weeks for just weeks on end. And I was like, that is just not sustainable. Like you cannot keep doing that. And I was like, I said and it just doesn't matter if your kids sleep on the floor, if they sleep in your bed, if they sleep hanging from their treehouse, it none of that is going to matter. I can assure you. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you know and I it's just the amount of pressure we put on ourselves I think as moms is intense. It is. It is. And I I don't even know what ideal we're trying to live up to, but I mean, it it, it takes i think a pile of kids though i really believe cuz <laughs> didn't you find with your last one or two you're like whatever you'll sleep whenever
0: <laughs> it'll yeah. be fine i just got i just got a lot better at it and 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 you know i actually had to become more structured for their benefit so we all have our our you know our tendencies. And I tend to be real loosey goosey, very principle oriented and very not rule oriented. Like I hate rules. I hate too. (laughs) But that doesn't work well for kids, right? Like kids like predictability and stability and different kids need, of course, more rules than others. And so figuring out, and this was really, it was, it was, it was it was a really, it was a big gift of getting divorced. So I got divorced three years ago and really got to figure out then like, who do I want to be as a parent on my own? Right, and That was massive. And my house just, it, it was just massive to be able to like run my house the way I wanted to and really be the mom I wanted to be. Oh, I, yeah,
1: that's huge. And it's funny, I'm just like you, super loosey goosey, can't stand rules. I'm all about the values yeah. and the moral of what we're doing. And okay. I
0: mean, what's right at the time. Exactly. <laughs>
1: My kids say they're like, you're zany with a dose of joy, you know, minus those consistent rules. And it's so true because, and it was really hard to make myself try to be more and more consistent about things. And because it doesn't come naturally to me. I am definitely, I mean, though I've never been diagnosed, I'm sure I have ADHD. (laughs) And, you know, just push against authority, you know, that whole. I'm like, what is the logic
0: behind that rule? You know, I definitely create these difficult children. Exactly. Like I tend to like, just, just encourage them to be rebellious and really think about their choices, challenge rules. And that leads for messy childhood. It does. It does. It definitely leads to good adults because you get some spirited youngsters. (laughs) Mine are definitely older than yours. And
1: I tell you, there is light at the end of this tunnel.
0: Yay. There's definite
1: <laughs> light. I mean, but you get some thinkers on your hands for sure. I mean, don't ever think you're going to be able to tell your 21 year old, just some, you know, pithy little thing. That's not going to turn into a four hour dialogue about the history of whatever. And I'm like, did I really create this? <laughs> like, yeah. sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the- yeah, and the thing that that does is, of course, it encourages their 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 you know their rebellion. So you really have to have a, a why behind what you're asking them to do. And it, it has to make sense to them and it has to be logical. And they're not just going to do it because I said so. Same thing is true with the law firm. And that drives my my gold personalities nuts. So I have rule follower personalities that hate the fact that I don't just have more rules that are just more consistent and more universal, universally employed. And all of us have to deal with ourselves and it's hard. It's exactly, I mean, that is exactly, it sounds
1: like you and I are so similar in this regard. And I have the exact same problem. I mean, I have those just line followers who like to stay in their lane and they want to know all the boundaries. And I'm like, well, the boundaries move. It depends on
0: the person. (laughs) How did it affect the client? And you know, they don't want to hear that. They don't. Yeah. So, but, but of course our law firms would not run if we didn't have those people, those, uh, those back rule follower, gold people who make stuff work
1: consistently. They are stars. They're stars. I mean, well, and that, I think for me, at least for the EOS and the traction thing, understanding that, I mean, cause obviously we're in that visionary role and finding that integrator. And I mean, I have found my most rule following person who's been with me the longest. And I mean, she likes everything to be ordered. And it's just, it is such a, the diametric opposition of me, but it is beautiful. Because when I'll say something and I'll be off in my, you know, weird land, she's like, okay, that's all great. And we'll get to that. But right now, this is what we need. And we need a decision on this that is gonna stay the same six months from now. And I'm like, oh, what a concept. You want a decision
0: that's going to be long-term well this is where experimenting will save you exactly because if if the rule is we're going to experiment then the rule followers can handle it yes but if the if there's not a rule and you just want to change your mind and test new things it's going to drive them insane i really like that i mean i experimenting allows you to be a visionary
1: in the rule following world exactly exactly It's a trick. (laughs) I think you've come up with something. You might want to contact the author of traction and be like, dude, we should discuss this. (laughs) Because it really is a trick. I mean, it actually is the thing that's going to keep you engaged, ignited, all excited about all the things, but it's going to keep your, your rule following stars they're not going to
0: want to kill you or hang you up or be like, you cannot come to the office anymore. Right. Because it's part of the deal that it took me a long time. Like, that's the thing that drove people who worked for me the most crazy is that they right. didn't have predictability and they, they, you know, they didn't understand like, why, what, you know, why are you changing your mind all the time? Which is not good for an organization. Right. So I'm, I'm more disciplined now. Yeah, I'm definitely becoming more disciplined and I'm understanding
1: their need for me to not share all my ideas. Like I have
0: to keep them to myself and I have to just let them out quarterly one at a time. We just had this conversation at my last retreat, which was Friday. Somebody was saying they felt up a loop and I was, and I, and I said, you know, there's a lot of new things coming right now. A lot, tons of changes in Arizona. It's impacting our business a lot. Like you all don't want to hear every, every rabbit hole I run down. So Who does like who wants to be in that group? And so instead of picking a leadership team, which really wouldn't have worked with my kind of democratic firm, those people who wanted to talk high level brainstorming strategy opted in. And that will be, you know, a new slack group and a strategy, a think tank within the law firm. But there were plenty of people who said, no, let me know when it's going to happen. Like, bring me in when it's real. Right. Just give me my paycheck. On the right, or, or let, let me know before a change happens but let me know like when you really know it's going to happen because i gave them an example like we we are now allowing law firm ownership non-lawyer ownership in arizona mm-hmm. so for about two months i went down the rabbit hole of becoming an esop an employee owned mm-hmm. uh, employee stock option program an employee owned company which i think would be really really cool and it turns out i'm not big enough quite yet but you know, had I run down that rabbit hole with everyone, you know, for those people who can't stop thinking like they don't want to hear every single idea. No, God, no. I I think of all the things in a typical
1: week, the ideas that I have, I mean, I've at least gotten where I write them all down now so that I can save them. And then now I can talk to my leadership team about them all. And, you know, and they're like, oh, this is what you're doing it for in the morning. Yes, it is. And we cannot
0: help it. I'm like, it's exactly. You don't want to be trapped in this brain. You don't. You don't. (laughs) I'm going to start calling you. (laughs) Yeah. In the morning, I'll be up at least.
1: (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you spending the time talking with me today. It's been so much fun talking to you. And I always love hearing about your experiments and what you're doing because you are very brave in your experimentation. And I think that is the key to all of this. Mom,
0: lawyer, entrepreneur. Thank you. Thank you. um, I'm happy that we spent this time together, too. I hope people didn't mind us just, you know, rambling for an hour. Well, I appreciate
1: it. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your holiday and enjoy your week. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.